0: If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's up? Good morning everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another coffee of California Politics. Uh, give everybody a minute to, uh, um, this is the second time that we'll be recording on the audio, so if you miss it. You can listen to it on audio, and you have know, to follow the whole video again. Even though the video is posted, there will be an audio podcast. So, good morning, everybody! Thanks for joining. On uh, always, as always, plenty of stuff to talk about. First thing I wanted to talk about, and indulge me for a minute. Um, we're going to get a little, little deep into thought, and, and, and sort of we're going to dive into some stuff. I was reading a book or I have been reading a book. It's called uh, Betrayal of the American Right by Murray Rothbard. Um, If you're not familiar with Murray Rothbard, he is a more libertarian uh, author, very prominent in that sphere. Uh, His book, Anatomy of the State, which is a fantastic book. I recommend everybody should read it, especially living here in California. Once you read Anatomy of the State, you'll look at it and go, whoa, like this is exactly what they're doing in California and how they are growing the state to an enormous size uh, that – has just become an absolute totalitarian sort of status sort of government and that Democrats don't really stand for liberalism at all. But that's a whole different point. In this book, Betrayal of the American Right, he talked about the shift, the political shift of parties around the time of World War II. And he talked about how the left before World War II and before FDR really was a classical liberal party. They stood for Liberty. They stood for being more liberal, allowing you more freedom. That's what the left stood for back then. FDR came to power, all that went out the window. All of a sudden, FDR came to power, he grew the government, he grew everything. Um, And it, it turned out that he grew the federal government to this enormous apparatus. And the left, of course, because he was a Democrat, they all just became statists. At that time, There was a sort of old right, as he calls it, that was non-interventionist. Now, stay with me. I'm going to explain why we're talking about this in a minute. And at that time, we all remember and we all think about World War II and we think of this patriotic duty. We've seen it in media. We've seen it in Captain America. We've seen all these portrayals of how patriotic uh, World War II was. And that's not the point of this discussion to discuss whether the merits of going into World War II were, were warranted or not. I'm talking about that there was a group of pretty loud, what they called isolationists. And ironically, one of the committees was actually called the America First Committee. Um, Yes, America First, similar to what Donald Trump did. And this group basically was going around, barnstorming and having speeches and saying, handing out pamphlets and information like, we shouldn't go into war. Keep in mind that this generation had just fought the Great War. They didn't call it World War I back then because they didn't think there was going to be a World War II. It's not like they were preempting a World War II. It was just called the Great War. So they already knew that they had sent young men to go die in Europe, and they knew how much it cost and, and, and the toll and how much it cost our country. So a lot of men came back and said, look, we don't think we should be in Europe. We don't think it's really in America's interest. If we're looking at an America First policy, we really shouldn't be getting involved in Europe. That's their problem. What's going on over there? You know, some were different. Some said, just stay completely out of it. Um, Some said, we can stay out of it, but we'll keep supporting Britain with arms and money and stuff like that. So this group, the isolationists, and this America First group, were eventually just scrubbed from history or smeared to the point that we now look back and we just kind of put them as a footnote, even though at that time FDR really had a problem getting a lot of Americans on board with going to World War II until Pearl Harbor. And after Pearl Harbor, everything changed because we were attacked. That was a whole difference. With Now we were attacked, now we're going into war. Um, but we forget, and they, the the history books have sort of just said, we're going to forget about this point in our history. We're going to talk, and we're not going to talk about what these other contrarians were talking about. Uh, And they're just going to smear them and say they are these extreme right wingers. Uh, They call them Nazi sympathizers. They call them anti-Semitic. One of the most prominent figures was Charles Lindbergh. You know, Charles Lindbergh was, he was the famous pilot who took the first solo transatlantic flight. After that, he was super famous, for what he did Um, he was also in the u.s army Uh, i didn't know that until i researched a little bit more about him but he was one of the most prominent celebrities of this america first movement he basically said look i don't think we should be going in we could support the british but I, i don't think we should be going into another world war another huge war conflict in europe charles Lindbergh was smeared not only by the fdr administration because they wanted to go to war But also big business at that time, because business knew that they could make a lot of money going to war in Europe. If you remember, in it's a wonderful life. There was that scene where uh, Sam, George's friend, he made a fortune on plastics because he made the covers for planes. That's what big businesses were doing. They were they were ready for a war because they knew they could make a lot of money building a lot of war stuff. So now you have the conspiring of the FDR administration who was thirsty to go to war and you had big business colluding together basically to smear Charles Lindbergh to the point where they called him a Nazi sympathizer. They said he hated Jews. He was an anti-Semitic, which none of it was ever really proven. And if you remember, there was a movie or series that came out not too long ago where they portrayed Lindbergh as this, this horrible person in history and they played like this alternative alternative history line where um, if Charles Lindbergh had won the presidency, how scary would that be? And they portrayed him in this light of like this Nazi sympathizer and that he was just a, a Nazi who wanted to take over America and turn into this fascist totalitarian state. That's how far we've gone to the point where Charles Lindbergh basically stood up and said, hey, I don't believe we should go to World War II. His entire legacy is now after the flight is now tarnished. Why? Because you had the conspiring of the FDR administration and big business, Wall Street and all that. We're going after all of these people. So why am I talking about this? What is, what's the point of this? Why are we talking about World War II today? You probably logged on and you were like, I thought we were gonna talk about California politics. Uh, Here's why I'm talking about this. It's interesting, if you think about it, it's been 80 years since this has happened and nothing has really changed. When you look at what is going on now, you look at how contrarian voices are if they are not in the interest of big business in Washington or who's in power, they are going to be smeared. They're going to be lessened. They're going to be ridiculed. They're going to be reduced to a footnote in history. Um, Even if you look at the Wikipedia page of Charles Lindbergh, it says, in the years before the United States entered World War II, Lindbergh's non interventionist stance and in statements about Jews led some to suspect that he was a Nazi sympathizer, although Lindbergh never publicly stated support for Nazi Germany. He opposed not only the intervention of the United States, but also the provision to aid the United Kingdom. He supported the Anti War America First Committee and resigned his commission in the U.S. Army Air Forces in 1941. President Franklin Roosevelt publicly rebuked him for his views. In 1941, St. gave this significant address, speech on neutrality. Um, He did eventually flip sides after Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. He did fly 50 missions in the Pacific Theater as a civilian consultant, but he was not allowed to take up arms because Roosevelt refused to reinstate his Air Corps Colonel Commission. So... This idea that we're seeing right now, that big business, big tech, the government is basically conspiring together to tampen down any sort of contrarian views, it's not the first time this has really happened in American history. And I'm sure it will probably not be the last time this happens in American history, which leads me to wonder how far, what what, what are we going to look at this 20 10 to 20 years from now like how are we going to look at what happened in 2020 between covid between the presidential election how are things going to be viewed there's a lot of contrarian voices now but 10 to 20 years from now the wikipedia page may say oh don't you know covid was a bad thing and it was horrible and trump mishandled it um but There were a couple people who said, you know, they were upset that they didn't get their freedom. When in reality, the noble thing to do was for us to all band together because they were all, we're all in this together. That, I could see that being the narrative. That 10 to 20 years from now, 30, 40 years from now, we look back and that's how the history book is written. The history book will be written that this is COVID. We all banded. The good people band together and did what they had to do. And the people who fought back, who filed lawsuits who fought back against their governments for their freedom. Those were, those are evil, uh, you know, Trumpies. They were evil, like, anti-vaxxers. They wanted to kill grandma. They were horrible, horrible people. So let's not even, like, discuss them. Let's not even bring up the fact that they had a contrarian point of view. Because they don't want you to know what the contrarian point of view was. They don't want you to, they want you to think, and I've been guilty of this as well, disclaimer, both my grandfathers fought in World War II, one of my grandfathers was shot down over Nazi Germany on his last uh, mission over France. Uh, and he was a POW back in 1944, December 1944. Um, so this isn't the issue of like, should have we gone into World War II? This is an issue of there are contrarian voices throughout American history. And the problem is, is that as we look back on stuff, the farther we get away from it, History and the people who are really running the system really dictate it. They really, at the end of the day, say, no, no one was against World War II. Everyone was for it. Um, And all those evil people who said we shouldn't get involved, they were really, they were icky people. Like, we shouldn't talk about them. And we should demean them. And we should smear them. And we should, hell, 80 years later, we should make a uh, movie with whoever that actor is. He was from uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? We should make a movie and portray one of the most popular figures of that time as a Nazi. Why not? We'll just paint him as a white supremacist Nazi so that we can further tell people that this was an evil part of our society and we as Americans did our good job. And it made me think about what's going on today in the sense of we can't talk about what is going on. We can't talk about whether the Delta variant is deadly or not. We can't talk about vaccines. We can't talk about kids. Big tech doesn't allow it. And the fact that big tech is working together with big business and you have big pharma and you have the government pretty much all in a line on this one issue and that you can't be a contrarian is kind of frightening. And what's my solution? Why am I bringing this up? Because I think it's important to realize that this stuff doesn't change until we really start to figure out it's not just one party over the other party, it really becomes, how are we looking at society and who's in charge of society? And are we having these honest discussions and are we supporting the platforms that engage in these sort of discussions that allow this sort of discourse that allow these contrarian points of view? Um, Because who knows, I wouldn't be surprised if 40 or 50 years from now, the history books take people who have questioned what's been going on with elections Uh, what happened in the 2020 election, what happened with COVID, what happened with Dr. Fauci, all of this stuff could just be swept under the rug and memory hold and a nice glossy sheen can be put over the top of it to make it look like this is what happened. We were all very noble. We all did our part. Um, And this is why you listen to the government and you're very obedient and you do what you're told because we have the best interest for you. And see what happened when you listen to the government? We got through and everything was fine. And everything was great, and just forget about those disgusting, evil, Trumpy people who were anti vaxxers because you know they, they they didn't really have anything to talk about. Okay, um, they weren't th- their points weren't valid, so we'll just we'll smear them, we'll we'll call them everything, we'll call them every name in the book, and then at the you know maybe fifty years later they'll create a documentary on COVID and they'll portray every anti vaxxer As like some dumb Republican, some dumb Trumpy in a red hat who doesn't understand what's going on. Um, But I think it might change. I think the good thing is, is that now we have a lot more platforms and we have a lot more ways to get our word out. So whether it's even on Instagram, um, some of the big tech, you can get some of it out. Uh, You can kind of like tiptoe up to that line before they kind of push back on you. I think podcasts are becoming the new thing. You're starting to see more people listen to podcasts and download podcasts, which you're starting to see kind of big businesses really starting to circle the wagons around podcasts. Even Spotify buying out a lot of podcast platforms. So I could see that podcasts might be an issue later. But for now, they're really the independent source of news where you can hear real discussion. It's not really censored. Um, and alternative media has been kicking the butt of altern- of mainstream media For a while now, more people tune into stuff like, uh, you know, the Ben Shapiro show or Stephen Crowder or now the Candace Owens show or stuff like that. Those platforms are getting more views than like little Brian Stelter on CNN or basically any program on CNN is getting their butts kicked by these independent podcasts. Um, So as far as we do have the avenues, there are the avenues to create these this information, hopefully protect it. Um, yeah, someone just mentioned Stephen Bannon's War Room. There are these platforms where we can get these voices out and it's not so easy like back in the 40s where FDR and big business could really just squash your entire reputation. Oh, another thing for FDR, as much as they praise on FDR, if you think that your government is not going to push down on you because you're contrarian... FDR actually charged people with sedition at that time for handing out pamphlets. Imagine being charged with sedition, one of the highest crimes against the country, simply because you were handing out pamphlets about not getting involved in World War II. That's it. A lot of people were charged, and FDR and his Department of Justice went after people who had a contrarian point of view who did not fit his narrative. Um, The more you learn about FDR... I know a lot of people say, like, oh, FDR saved us from the Great Depression, and he, he got us through World War II. And um, I, the more you research FDR, the more you realize he was absolutely a totalitarian who basically ushered in a soft form of fascism into America, where it was a centralized government, and they had their their paws and everything. But that's a whole different episode. Um so that was the point I wanted to make. I thought it was really interesting, and it really kind of, as I was reading it, uh, it, it was like a light bulb went off in my head, and I said, wow, I never really thought of that, you know, because I, you pretty much go your whole life thinking, yeah, like 198, 99% of people were probably in support of going to World War II. I've seen the movies, and I've seen, you know, all these portrayals of World War II, but no one ever talks about the contrarians, the people who say... Um, the people who go, Hey, we shouldn't get involved. It's not really our place to get involved in what's going on in, in that part of the world. And they were just basically smeared, you know, Charles Lindbergh, great American hero, flew the first solo transatlantic flight, changed aviation forever. His whole thing was tarnished because he had the courage to stand up and say something different that FDR didn't agree with. And big business didn't like it either. So that's my my soapbox moment for the day. Um, If you're interested in reading the book, it's called Betrayal of the American Right um, by Murray Rothbard. It's a very, very interesting book. And it talks a lot about how the parties switched around World War I, World War II, where classic liberals, the left, what they called themselves liberal back then, switched to become status. Who believed in this totalitarian, totalitarian point of view? Um, they wouldn't call it totalitarian, but they basically supported the growth, the immense growth of central government and just being involved in everything. It's called "Betrayal of the American Right" by Murray Rothbard. You can probably find it anywhere. It's 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 an old book, um, but. I would I would definitely recommend reading his Anatomy of the State first and then reading Betrayal of the American Right. Uh, here. This is what I will do. I'm going to comment. Do, 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 do. Anatomy. Hold on. Hold, please. Of the State. There you go. Murray Rothbard is the name of the author. So those are some of, some of his books. Anatomy of the State. I would definitely recommend starting with Anatomy of the State. It's only like fifty pages long. Um, it's very short. It's very easy to get through. Uh, but he goes through basically one by one. Some of the stuff will definitely blow your mind. His part about like public education and why the government fights to hold on to public education so hard will blow. Will definitely make you go, oh wow. That makes absolute sense why they fight for public schools so much. Um, But yeah, definitely check them out for if you like this thought provoking political philosophy, check out Murray Rothbard, Anatomy of the State, Betrayal of the American Right. I'm like, I don't know how far I am in the American betrayal of the American Right, um, but it's been very fascinating. It is. I'm going to say it's a little denser. um, So even I have to like reread a couple times because I'm like, wait, what did he say? And I have to like reread it a couple times. Um, But a lot of great thoughts in there. If you're liberty-minded, someone who likes small government, more liberty, uh, freedom, individual freedom, stuff like that, definitely check out the books. Uh, So someone asked about the Nike comments. I only saw the headline regarding what's going on with Nike. Sorry, trigger. Just a disclaimer, there's really no easy way to hold this mug without having bad trigger discipline, so... Anybody who says oh bad tr- trigger discipline, it's really like I tried holding it this way. It's not. It's not really that easy to hold. So anyway, um, yeah, I think it goes back to the podcast I had with Jason. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. Jason Scheftel, very very knowledgeable. A lot of stuff that I didn't even know about China. And I think his biggest point, which I really hadn't considered. Um, I think someone got it for me from, uh, you <laughs> found my handgun, guys. It's a good thing it's not loaded, um, but I got it, someone gave it to me as a, a gift or something, uh, so, but I'm sure it's probably somewhere. You could probably find it on Etsy. I bet you if you go on Etsy and go, like, handgun mug, you could probably find it. Um, but anyway, his comments about China and stuff that I learned from Jason, which I thought was really interesting, was... That China is so big, and this is their history, is that China is so big, it's taken a lot to hold China together. And the only way that's been really successful out of their thousands of years of history has been this form of government, that they're really not communist. The The podcast was not this past one. It was two, I think it was 74, Jason Scheftel, China. It, it, the title is called China and its impact on California. So, if you go into my link in my bio, um, if you go to link in my bio, go to podcast. I think it's episode seventy four. You can listen to. It's very, very interesting. I, I'm. I want to have Jason back on because he was really, really thoughtful and, and stuff about China that I didn't even think about. Um, yeah. So his comments and what, why I'm talking about Jason Shaftel in that podcast is because the way he, he kind of explained it was that China's not really trying to take over a lot of America. It's China takes advantage of a lot of parts of America because they need to hold on to the power in their own country. And the only way they can do that is be communist and be this iron fist totalitarian state. That's really the only way. He did say that there's going to be big problems for China coming up. I'd love to have him back and talk about that a little bit more, sort of the downfall of China and what's going to happen when that happens. Um, but do I think there's a lot of people who in America are taking cues from China? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of people who are status who look at what's going on in China and how China successfully grasped the power to be immensely successful with money and business, but also have an enormous clamp on their government and their people. I think that's what a lot of people are doing. So maybe it's not China itself. I think there's a lot of people who are Chinese influence who are looking at going, huh, these Chinese have really figured out how to be absolute totalitarians and keep their people completely under their thumbs. So maybe we should do that. And China, of course, is just trying to keep as much of its support. And that's why they take advantage of California, because there's really no leadership in California. State politics have been really horrible, and it's been a mess. And That's basically, that's why China gets in, is because they're friends with the Democrats and they're just going to take advantage of it. But my thoughts on the Nike CEO is because a lot of these companies now, this is something I asked myself, do you think China would be a player if there weren't a billion people in? And I think when you consider just market forces and they say, well, there's a billion consumers or close to a billion consumers ready to buy your product, why are you going to, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to try and get that product in front of a billion people. If China had a hundred million people and that was it, I don't think there'd be as much market forces in the free market to rush over to China and do whatever they want. Why does the NBA want to have their product in China? Because there's a billion viewers. Why do they want it? Why does Nike want to have their shoe in China. And why do they want to say we're the Chinese, we're a Chinese company and we're for China? Because they can sell a billion sneakers or more. That's really the point of it. If China was a small country, you don't see us really kowtowing to a lot of other small countries. You don't see us kowtowing to Vietnam or Laos or anything like that because there's no consumers there. It comes down to the fact that there's a billion eyeballs and there's a billion wallets waiting for your product whether it's by movie or it's whether it's by a, a product or anything like that. That's what they're trying to get at is that money. Um, so Peter Santanello on YouTube did an interview with this guy who said he was spoiled American and escaped to China. And he now realizes <laughs> way he explains China. That's very interesting. I'll have to check that out. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough because, And this is one reason I want to have Jason back on is because really when he explained how China interacts and why China does the thing it does in America is because they're trying to support themselves and they're trying to keep their party going and they're trying to keep their country together. And I think what he was alluding to is that China is on the verge of some big, big problems and it's not going to be easy to keep that together for years. And throughout history, China has been broken up and brought back together and broken up again and brought back together. And, you know, there's wars of different factions and all that stuff. And, yeah, uh, you, you know, I don't know if anybody's an oversimplified fan here. If you ever watch oversimplified videos, they're fantastic. They're my favorite. Um, there's one on the three kingdoms. Um, so... And it talks all about like this huge fight between different factions in China and how it's all broken up with this dynasty and this kingdom and this, and China has been kind of, they've been broken up, brought back together, broken up, brought back together. So really what they're trying to do is just support and hold on as much as possible right now. Am I excusing them? No. Am I pointing out the fact that we as Americans have to get tougher on China? Absolutely. Do I do I want people to realize that your state politics here in California are even more important than who might be in the white house? Absolutely. Jason had brought up this idea, uh, that you could start implementing here in the state. You could start implementing a foreign tax. If you are a foreign national and you want to buy property in California, you should have to pay a tax and maybe a very hefty tax. Um, When it comes to buying property and that's why a lot of housing prices are going up is because you have a lot of these Chinese billionaires and millionaires who are trying to get their money out of China are buying it and storing it in real estate. We talked about how there's a lot of like ghost towns in LA because they're building these huge projects, these huge apartment buildings that are sitting vacant because they just basically pulled their money and they're just, they're just sitting on the plot of land. Um, So there's a lot I, I, you know, I don't want to rehash the entire podcast. If you want to go listen to it, um, definitely go check out episode 74. It was a really interesting talk. Like I said, I'm going to have Jason on again. We talked about it. Hopefully it comes back soon. We can talk more about China and really its impact on California um, because it was an interesting way uh, to look at it. So um, what else? So we could talk about Steve Loge, the uh, newly announced candidate. I tried to look up any candidate page, which I was surprised I couldn't find anything about him. If you look in Steve Loge for governor, the first thing you see is Real Housewives of Orange County alum Vicki Gunvalson. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce her name? Uh, his, they're engaged. He's running for governor of California. So that's basically all. Of, <laughs> that's basically it. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And this is DuckDuckGo. 11, 12. Yeah. So about on DuckDuckGo, if you put in Steve Loge for governor, the first 12 stories, not on Google, on DuckDuckGo, are about him uh, being engaged, the real housewives of Orange County. I know Andy Cohen already produced a video uh, and... They already made fun of the fact that she might be the first lady of California, and they made jokes about the Real Housewives. I don't know. I don't watch Real Housewives. Do I look like a guy who's really in front of Real Housewives? Um, So the thing about it is, and someone asked me this yesterday, do you think it's too late for people to get into the race? I would say at this point, yes. The election has been set for September, um, and already... If you don't have a ground game and you don't have a presence right now, you're already way behind the eight ball when it comes to running for governor. And the fact that if he's already announcing on Instagram that he's running for governor um, and he didn't have any sort of campaign page, he didn't have like a campaign commercial. What that shows me is that he probably doesn't even have a full team behind him quite yet. He doesn't have like an ad team. He doesn't have the dollars yet. He hasn't been fundraising or stuff like that. He's just basically at this point, I think he's just throwing his hat into the ring, whether he's actually going to make a real run at it or not. I'm not sure because at this point, I think it's way too late um, to get into the race. I think if you don't have that ground game, if you don't have the supporters and the fundraisers, you're already dead in the water. Like, if you haven't made those connections yet and the recall is coming up in September around Labor Day, that's a quick mad dash for an election is a couple months. Now, I know usually elections really compress around like the last three months before the election. That's when everyone's really focused. Now we have the date. Now everyone's really going to start going in. Uh, So I I don't know. I I think he's, I don't know anything about him. I know that uh, there might be some other stuff on him i know camille bethany was talking about uh going over some some tea with him um tea is in the sense of gossip not having tea with him i don't think he looks like a guy who has tea um so i i don't know much about him um that's about it i know he's former law enforcement um based on the post last night um which you know i want to just say for people who might have been disappointed with the post last night I recognize that it may have been pushed out a little too fast. Um, I know that you expect better from me, um, and I learn, and that's why I listen to the fo- feedback of my followers. And I've learned from that, and we're moving on. So, I you know I I think at this point I, I I don't if you haven't been running then you're you're already behind the eight ball. And if he's just running for the recall, he's just throwing his hat into the ring at this point. Now, there are some governors who are actually running for both. You know, there are some who are running for tw- this recall in 2022. I know like Kevin Faulkner is one. I know John Cox is one. Um, I know that uh, Anthony Tremino is one as well. I think Caitlyn Jenner might be one. I'm not sure. Um, I think Caitlyn Jenner is not really a force anymore. Um, so, I, you know, it's tough to see who really is the top pick. I know Richard Grinnell is still out there like floating around. I think at this point, Richard Grinnell hasn't really jumped in. There's really no reason for him to jump in at this point. He may just see it and be like, he may be reading the tea leaves and say, I don't think Gavin's going to be, I don't think Gavin's really going to be recalled. So it's not, not really up to me. Maybe he'll wait for 2022. Maybe he's seen the support he's getting, not even being in the race. Um, So I, you know, there's a couple front run. There's a couple people I think that are really out there who have the most legitimate shot um i think someone like kevin faulkner who's been who's been running the ground game i think he's been doing a good job getting out there doing what you're supposed to be doing fundraising but again a lot of these guys are also running for 2022 uh anthony tremino could be a dark horse i've been seeing a lot of excitement not only on instagram i've been seeing a lot of excitement in the discord as well people are starting to really jump on the Anthony Trimino. I think a lot of people are really excited about him and seeing what he's got to do. Uh, he's got to, got to get his name out there a lot a lot faster, though. A lot of people still don't really know who Anthony Tremino is, but he's got to get out there and get his name out there a lot faster. He's really got to push that marketing ability of his own. And uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say Caitlyn Jenner at this point is really anyone to be concerned with. I'm not sure. There's a lot of support. Most people I talk to are not supportive of Caitlyn Jenner. Based on the event in San Diego I went to, I wouldn't say there's a lot of enthusiasm for her when she showed up. Um, When she showed up, she showed up like she was in an entourage with an entourage and like she was on a reality TV show. And a lot of people didn't like that. I think a lot of people saw that, saw through that, and said, especially a Republican Party that now doesn't like the elite, you know, based on the Trump switch, how Trump sort of changed the Republican Party. Republicans, they're against the, um, they're really against the elite now. And if you push yourself as an elitist, you're not going to get play in the Republican Party. That's that's just the bottom line. Why did Newsom sue his Secretary of State? Uh, That's an interesting question. So what happened was uh, Newsom, good old noodles, had submitted his paperwork saying, yeah, I'm going to run when this recall was certified. And this was months ago. Uh, so what happened was one of his lawyers made a mistake and forgot to say that he was a Democrat and register that he would, he had a party preference to be on the ballot as a Democrat. Um, so what happened was they realized this big mistake because obviously there's a two to one advantage as a Democrat. They want people to say like, well, he's a Democrat, so I'm going to support him. His administration recognized that, went to Shirley Weber, who's the brand new Secretary of State. She just took over a couple months ago after Alex Badilla left to go be U.S. Senator for Kamala Harris. And give Shirley Weber credit. She actually stood up to Newsom and said, No, you you didn't follow the rules. There's there's rules that you have to follow when it comes to elections. You didn't follow them. You didn't follow those rules. So therefore you can't do what you're doing. Sorry. And he got angry and so he sued Shirley Weber, and now it's been, I mean, long story short, now it's been corrected, but basically he screwed up, his election lawyer screwed up to get his party preference on there. Shirley Weber, give her credit, actually stood up to him, um, and then he sued her. He sued someone who is really friendly to him. Shirley Weber is a friendly person to Gavin Newsom, and he sued her. I mean, not personally, I mean, in her official capacity, a lot of public officials get sued in their official capacity, and it's not mean they're personally liable, Uh, but that's what happened. Newsom screwed up and he changed the rules. Now, what's even more scary of what's going on, we sort of touched upon this on the podcast on Monday night about the recall, is that there was a waiting period of how long they had to go through this process, and it's about 30 days when they realized that it would not be politically beneficial for noodles to go in front of voters around the time. Yeah, he did win after that. They changed it and they made him a Democrat. Um, Someone just asked, did he win the lawsuit? Yeah. I mean, they just caved and did it for him. Um, But anyway, back to the recall. So what happened was, is they knew that it would be, not beneficial to have him go in front of voters around the time of wildfires and peak wildfires and what's going on in schools and their kids being in school with masks on and stuff like that. So they said, well, let's speed up the process and get it going as fast as possible. And they basically just rammed a bill through. Um, And that's the power you have when it's a supermajority. And that's why... I keep harping on it, and I'm going to harp on it until I'm blue in the face. State politics and our state legislature is more important than who is the governor up in Sacramento, who's sitting in the governor's mansion. Why? Because the state legislature can do stuff like this and get away with it, and no one really is going to push back. Um, If there was a more balanced legislature, there could be a chance that this couldn't have gone through, and Newsom would have had to face... Recall right at the peak of wildfires. And that could have been politically disadvantageous to him in the sense that he had to face angry voters. Um, but that's what happens when you have a supermajority. So I know a lot of people always say, well, who's going to be governor? Who's going to be governor? You know, who's your top pick for governor? First off, I don't endorse anybody because that's not the point of this. The point of this is for me to provide information for you to make your own decision i can comment on who the governors are and i can tell you who i think has a good shot and who doesn't have a good shot um but i'm not going to sit here and endorse anybody it's not my job to tell you who to pick to vote i've said that numerous times it's not my job to go and tell you who to vote in the sense of i don't even really want to do a voter's guide um and stuff like that because i want you to make your own decisions for yourself this is really a discourse. This is really just for us to discuss and talk about these things and for you to figure out who you like. You may like an Anthony Tremino, You may like a Kevin Faulkner. You may like a John Cox and his big ball of garbage and his big bear or whatever. I don't, you know, it's it's basically up to you. But in reality, whose governor doesn't really change what's going on in California because they can't wave a magic wand and all of a sudden just say, oh, well, I fixed California and I'm going to reduce taxes and da 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 because without the help of the legislature, nothing is going to change really substantially here in California. Now, if you want to slow things down for the craziness, for the critical race theory and the the stuff they teach in public schools or the waste or the taxing or the gas tax or stuff like that, you got to go out to the state legislature. We got to start focusing on that. And we got to start flipping seats there. And I've said this before, five seats is really all it takes in the Senate to flip the state Senate not flip it, but destroy the supermajority. Once you've destroyed the supermajority, you can't ram bills through as much anymore. You know, there's a lot of spending bills you can't get through. You got to get Republicans on board. And if you can't get Republicans on board, they're not going to sign on for big socialist status programs. Um, So that's why it's more important, I think, who's in the legislature. And going back to the whole issue about China, the state legislature really could push in laws that protect us from China, and that's not something we really ask of our politicians um, in, in California. We always think that that's like a big, you know, that's like a White House issue. That's that's a Washington issue when it talks when we talk about China. Reality, I China can still really have an impact on state politics, and our state politics can push back on China. And maybe that's something we should start asking a lot of these candidates point blank, like, hey, how do you propose to get China out of the real estate market or at least tax them? Do you support a foreign tax for uh, foreign nationals who want to buy property like people like China? Um, I bet you that's a question they probably have never been asked before, and they probably have never thought about the fact that should we impose a foreign national tax on foreign nationals like China? Yeah, why not? I mean, they're buying up our real estate. They're making it hard to live here for normal Americans. Um, And maybe we should really consider doing stuff like that. And maybe we should consider protecting ourselves, insulating ourselves as a state. Anyway, I forgot how I got off that topic. Oh, because we're talking about governor and we're talking about state politics um, and the state legislature. And how really, and I I think anybody who's new on this program, I've I've asked people before if you can name your state senator and your state assemblyman off the top of your head. If you can, you know, go ahead and listen in the comments. But most people don't really know who their state assembly person or their state senator is. Mine is state assembly is Chris Ward and my state senator is Tony Atkin, who is the president pro temp of Sacramento. Um, They have an enormous power over what we're, what our lives are going through. Forget what's going on with Washington. Forget Biden. Forget noodles, for all that matter. Your state legislature has an enormous impact on your daily life. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay, so we got about 15 minutes left. Time to start taking some comments and questions. Been rambling a little bit. Uh, what happened with Florida? California banned traveled to a bunch of different places because they had supposedly discriminatory LGBT legislation. What that legislation is, that's not really, I guess California doesn't really have to produce that evidence. They just say so and that's it. Um, I'm not really, whatever. If they don't want to pay for their politicians to go to these states, that's fine. It's less taxpayer dollars for us to go to those other states. Um, but, you yeah, know, it's virtue signaling. It's really virtue signaling at this point. It doesn't really change anything. I don't think Florida and Texas are going to sit there and go, oh, no. Um, people from Cal, they're not going to send their politicians from California. Oh no. Oh geez. I don't think anybody in Florida is really worried about not getting state politicians from, from California to come to their state funded politicians travel to their state. I, I don't really don't think that's a big issue. It, it literally does nothing. It's a huge virtue signal on their part. Um, it doesn't change anything. I don't think it's going to change It certainly is not going to change the laws in those states. Like, it's not like Texas is going to sit there and go, oh, well, you know, because they banned it, guys, we should really think about what we've been doing wrong. Um, and, And, you know, that's really one of the problems with the modern left right now is that there's no, there's no responsibility to prove what you did wrong. They just kind of throw it at you and say, like, you're an evil person okay, why am I an evil person? You just are. You just are an evil person. Just deal with it and repent for what you did. Well, what did I do? You know what you did. You know what you did. That's really what it comes down to. Is that That's the modern left is they just kind of accuse you of doing something horrible. And then uh, you have to somehow defend what you don't know what you're defending against. It's a very Marxist, Marxist sort of approach. No shocker from a party that continues to lurch farther into communism and socialism but they love their Marx, especially when it comes to critical race theory that's just a new sort of Marxism but anyway so that's what happened with the, the, the ban on Florida and what's going on over there um, any more questions or comments what everyone is thinking about what's everyone talking about um, what's going on in California we talked about the Delta variant on Monday's podcast. What's going on there? Um, you know, LA County went back to wearing masks. That was a big issue. I think that was big breaking news is that they've already gone back to at uh, the slightest hint of a problem, uh, they already ran back to requiring masks. Um, so, are other counties going to follow? As far as I know, San Diego is not going to do anything. They're not going to add any more restrictions because i don't know at this point they're not going to but they always say at this point funny what happened at the fletcher meeting yeah this was one of the first ones that happened in person and there were a lot of people uh no actually someone asked isn't it recommended not mandated?" No, actually, it is now back to mandated. Now you're required to go back to wear masks indoors whether you're vaccinated or not in L.A. County. It went from recommended earlier in the day, strongly recommended, to now they went back to a mandatory mask wearing for indoor, uh, but not outdoor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, the Fletcher meeting, Nathan Fletcher is a a, a wannabe tough guy who seems that he seems like he's like he's a big tough guy but when he gets really confronted with people uh he seems to cower really really quickly he seems to fall back into you know i'm i'm above this and that's sort of the attitude that people like nathan fletcher take towards their constituency is i'm above you um i am more important than you how dare you question me um, how dare you question my authority and Nathan Fletcher and his wife, specifically Lorena Gonzalez, who I think people dislike Lorena Gonzalez more than they like, dislike Nathan Fletcher, both have this attitude of like, don't you dare question me? Don't you know who I am? And that is such a, again, that's a statist point of view of like, I'm better than you because I run your life because you've, you've put me in charge of your life and I have to tell you what to do and I'm better than you. Um, but it was funny that it was one of the first in-person and he really got pushed on a lot of things. There were a lot of political opponents there, there were a lot of people there who were upset. Nathan Fletcher, who hadn't really got to look him in the eyes face to face and say like, we're pissed. We're pissed at what you did. We're pissed at what you're still doing or what you could do. And we're going to let you know it. And of course he just wimped out and asked the deputies to close the chambers and clear out the chambers and uh, yeah. So did you know Fletcher had the assembly seat that Marie Waldron, the assembly minority leader, before 2012? Uh, I didn't know that. I know he tried to run for mayor and uh, the interesting story about Nathan Fletcher, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the counties, he's the County supervisor chair here in San Diego. He is a, a deplorable human being in the sense that he is condescending. He is nasty to people. Uh, He got some internet fame because he, he called everybody who supported the recall, white supremacist, Nazi Trump supporter, QAnon crazies. That's how he described everybody who signed the recall. Um, And he's not ashamed of it. He's not ashamed of it. He's called people really horrible names. So for someone to, so for the, for someone who talks a big game about how Trump did not dignify the office, he does exactly the same things that Trump does, but he calls his own constituents horrible names. People that live in his district who probably signed the recall, he called them horrible names. Um, so he is a horrible person. His, his wife is also not nice. She's sworn at people. She said the F-bomb on Twitter. And, uh, he, so he's the county chair. He ran for mayor back in, I forget what year. I think it was around the time that Kevin Faulkner, maybe Bob Filner got into, into the mayor's office. Um, but he was a Republican. He was a Republican a while back and he was a big time Republican. Actually, he was a big time Republican with his first wife. Uh, yeah. Lorraine Gonzalez is his second wife, but with his first wife, he was a Republican And he ran and he wanted to run for mayor of San Diego, and he couldn't get the endorsement. San Diego County Republicans didn't give him the endorsement immediately after he switched to being a Democrat. So it shows you what kind of principle he he lives on when he quickly switches parties because he didn't get the support that he wanted from the Republicans. So he flipped to being a Democrat. And it seems to be working out for him now that he is now a Democrat. Um, But anyway, he... Uh, talked or he had a meeting yesterday and he cleared the chamber. He's I, he's legally allowed to do that. Um, I think he just called it. He needed a recess or something to calm everybody down. And I'm sure there's rules of decorum and rules of procedure and whatnot. Um, maybe he, that's what he went off of that people were being too loud and, and, and boisterous. So that's why he closed the chamber. Um, but You know, People being passionate about what they're talking about with Nathan Fletcher, I don't know if that really ruins decorum. It sounds like he just kind of couldn't take any more people talking at him and being upset with him. This isn't going to be the last time. I think now he's fueled the fire because people are going to show up at the next county meeting, and they are probably going to be even more people, and they're really going to let him have it because they're going to say, oh, I know you're going to try and close the chamber because you don't like what you're hearing and X, Y, and Z, and everything's being directed at Nathan Fletcher. Um, so anyway, that's a little local San Diego politics for you. Nathan Fletcher is, um, just one, you know, I don't like to call people a lot of names. Um, but based on his actions, he is just not a great person. Um, and neither is his wife. There it is. Uh, the meetings are, I think every, I think you can go every month. You can go to their public meetings. Can he be removed if he was an elected official? Yeah, absolutely. He can be recalled. Yeah. Nathan Fletcher can be recalled. Any... Politician in California can be recalled, except for federal positions. Um, You know, there is that recall position or recall provision in the California Constitution that allows you to recall city, county, and state officials. So you can go ahead and recall anybody. In fact, they're recalling a Mike is it Mike Bonin up in LA? He's on the city council. They've already served him with recall notices. They tried to get the signatures to recall Jennifer Campbell down here in San Diego. Um, And recall is, could be the tool of the, I guess you would say the minority. It could be the tool for people who feel like they're not heard in certain parts of California You only need a small percentage to recall people. So you can definitely make some noise with a recall. It doesn't, I think it's like 4% of the vote or something like that. It's not a lot. So like if you could get the votes, um, you can get it. Oh, and Gascon. Yeah, Gascon is also being recalled. He's the district attorney of LA. So there's recalls happening all over the state. And I um, I think it's important for us to realize that that is a tool. Um, somebody said, why did you take down the post about Steve Loge? I'd already talked about it. Mia um, Copa on my part, uh, I did sort of rush that out. And based on the responses, I learned from you guys. I took your feedback and realized it was not completely on it or it wasn't in full context. And that's not my goal. My goal is to never try and be a CNN sort of gotcha place. I know you guys respect the fact-based stuff that I put out there. Um, and it fell short of my own standard. Um, so that's it. So if that's, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I do listen to you because this is a platform that I created for people to come on and chat and di- and discuss stuff. It's not all about me. It's, it's about, um, having that place that people can come and feel like they're heard and feel like they're part of something and they don't feel alone. They feel like, Hey, Um, you know, it's, uh, and and sometimes I fall short and sometimes I screw up. I'm, I'm perfect too. I'm imperfect too. Um, I'm learning. This is not my full-time job. Um, but I've certainly learned that, uh, you guys are here for the well-researched fact-based, uh, analysis. And if I fall short of that, you guys let me know it. And I I appreciate that. So you guys hold me to a high standard and I really appreciate that. I appreciate all the support. So that's why I took it down because um, that's it. So I'm man enough to admit that when something didn't go the way, you know, it didn't go right and I screwed up. So here we are. Who are they recalling in Shasta? Uh, They're trying to. um, Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it, kind of came out really fast. Um, And then when I I learned more and more about the context, I said, yeah, you know, you're right. So, you know, again, mea culpa on my part. So we move on. We find other things to talk about and more things to deep dive. Uh, What was I going to say? according to recall shasta who i've reached out to to try and get them on the podcast because they have an organization called recall shasta i've been trying to get them on the podcast or i just reached out to them to try and get them on the podcast i think it'd be really interesting to hear their point of view on why they're doing what they're doing and um you know the process why did they start recall shasta how can people replicate in different counties I think it's important to get that, that sort of story out. They're doing really good things. I mean, they have really professional ads. They have a great video. So they're doing a lot of stuff. I think more people need to look at Recall Shasta. And it's a it's on Instagram. I think it's just literally Recall Shasta. Um, go follow them and check them out and see what they're doing. I'd love to have them on the podcast. Uh I did just reach out to them, so we'll see. And I know they're going, they're recalling a bunch of county supervisors. So um, love the cup. Yeah, this is one of the more favorite people like this cup. All right, so we got a couple more minutes left. Any more questions, uh, comments? What are people thinking about this week? Are people worried about the Delta variant coming in and reclosing? I said this on Monday. I don't think politically, I don't think that Newsom would re, or, or re-lock down the state. Because his whole message right now of why he should... Not get recalled is because California is roaring back in his terms. It's roaring back, um, and if he shuts everything down, he kind of stepped on his own campaign message of California's roaring back, and then you shut everything down and ruin everything, and then that just gives fuel to the fodder for his opponents. Now, if he beats the recall and we get past it in September and we head into winter and flu season. There's a good chance maybe he goes. Ah, you know, guys. Uh, well, you know, this Delta variant is really bad. So, but by that time, we're going to know more about the Delta variant, and yeah, I, you know, we know that from from England, from Public Health England, and this is an actual study. The report is that the Delta variant is 0.1 percent of case fatality rate. Is that medical misinformation? I don't. I don't think so. I'm quoting directly from Public Health England. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he closes anything down. I also think we're hitting a point where cause California is such a vaccine. I, what's the opposite of vaccine hesitant. I feel like there's a lot of vaccine acceptance in California. A lot of people who were running around. Um, that was another, that was another article. I want to do a video on it's something from the San Francisco Chronicle. I, I, you know, I wanted to talk about that. This guy was all like, Oh, uh, you know, it's really great that San Francisco's open, but I'm still wearing a mask and I still have my surgical a whole bag of surgical masks and my hand sanitizer and gloves and I have my vaccine proof of whatever laminated hanging around my neck. Like leave it to San Francisco, right? Um all right, so had the podcast on Monday, no podcast tomorrow night as usual at the new time, the new time is going to be like Thursday at 8 p.m. Although next week there is going to be a different time. I'm gonna be sitting down and talking to Tamika Hamilton who is running for Congress. This is a going to be a lot of good information. Tamika is one of the, probably the smartest political figures in California. Um, I'm really happy that she's gonna be on. She has a lot of really good insight about politics in general, but a lot of politics in California as well. So I definitely urge you, it's gonna be on Monday at 8 p.m. It will be live streamed on YouTube. Uh, So if you are not over on YouTube, head over, go to California Underground on YouTube. It's the same logo. Uh, You will find it there. Uh, You'll see it you'll know exactly. You'll see the videos about Major Williams and Kim Klasick and all that stuff. Um, Subscribe, hit the notification bell and uh you'll get notified when we go live on monday night at 8 p.m and then yeah definitely i'd love to see a good showing for her she you know definitely show up and bring a lot of questions for tamika because she is really really smart um and it, i'm really excited to have her on uh so she's going to have a lot of insight so with that we have some other people who are coming up um deadly and bad or no big deal Uh, I don't want to give medical misinformation, um, but there is an article on the blaze. If you go like if you search the blaze Delta variant, it's an article mentioning uh, Horowitz is the title. Go look it up there. It talks about the report from the Public Health England and sort of the CFR uh, case fatality rate. Stuff like that. Um, But yeah, so that's coming up on Monday. If you haven't already gone to YouTube and subscribed and hit the notification bell, please go and do so. So that way you're notified when we go live on Monday. It'll be live streamed on YouTube. Um, also, make sure you join the Discord server. where That's where we can have a lot of the most uncensored talk because it's in Discord and we can really talk about stuff and really get open and honest about everything. Um, for Discord, go to my link in my bio and you'll have a list of there. You can go and get the invite link and join right up. And yeah, there's a lot of people there and we're having a lot of fun. We're chatting and sharing stories and talking about stuff that probably big tech wouldn't allow us to talk about on these platforms like Instagram and Facebook. And as always, every Wednesday morning at 9am, we do coffee in California politics and we chat, we sit, we talk about what's going on in California and now it is an audio podcast. So if you missed it, excuse me, if you missed it, you can always listen to the audio podcast. Um, That way, if you're driving or something like that. You don't have to worry about putting it on your phone and wasting the battery watching an hour-long video or sitting watching me talking to a camera for an hour. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Everybody have a great 4th of July. Be safe out there. You know, be careful with fireworks and stuff like that. Have fun out there. Um, and, you know, I know Biden probably isn't going to give us permission to go have hot dogs yet because we didn't reach his goal. But whatever. You know, I don't think the founders and the original... Americans asked for permission when it came to the Boston Tea Party. So let's go and have some fun this weekend. Uh, You're very welcome. Thank you, everybody, for the support. Have a great 4th of July, Monday, 8 p.m. I'll see you then for the uh, interview with Tamika Hamilton. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Later.